You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast, where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money. Now, here's your host, Derek Gale. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast. This is your host, Derek Gale. And today we're going to be covering a topic and interviewing an expert in an area that I am extremely passionate about because uh, it's an area that really changed how I do business. And frankly, I believe it's the future of business, particularly digital business and the sort of whole online lifestyle. And uh, so what I'm talking about here is outsourcing. And our guest today is a gentleman that has not only mastered the outsourcing process for himself, but he mastered it so well now he's doing it for people all over the world and allowing people and businesses to leverage incredible talent at the fraction of a cost it would typically uh, be to hire somebody internally and uh, do incredible things. So uh, I'd like to introduce our guest today, Monty Hook. Monty, thanks very, very much for being here. Thank you very much for having me, Derek. Awesome to be here and connect with all your crowd. Fantastic. Now, okay, so you're you're an Aussie. You're from originally Brisbane, is that correct? Yeah, that's right. I hope you can understand my uh, Australian accent. Oh, I've spent so much time in Australia, I translate it well. So um, <laughs> we're, we're good. We're good. Uh, so give us your your story, right? I always like to start with the story. You know, where did you come from? How did you be – how did you go from – a guy in Brisbane to now, you know, managing and running and owning these giant outsourcing organizations, helping people around the world outsource their businesses. How, how did this happen? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm an entrepreneur through and through. Uh, I had my first business when I was eight years old. So I, uh, I actually grew up on a boat in Sydney Harbor. And uh, most people might assume that, you know, that's a uh, uh, I lived on a boat because you know we had money or it was luxury. But you know the way I explain it, it was uh, it's kind of like a trailer on water, right? <laughs> and uh, so I just uh, I just from a young age I was just a hustler, and I just kind of figured out that if I wanted something more for myself, it was up to me. You know, like nothing was ever going to be given to me on a on a silver platter. And uh, so at eight years old, I started this business cleaning boats in Sydney Harbour, and it was uh, it was tough. But it was the thing that planted the seed for me, and uh, ever since then, I've always took it upon myself to, uh, you know, to. I, I guess I've been a hustler. I've always been making money through my teenage years and through my twenties. I had a bunch of different businesses, and um, you know, most of them failed, and most of them I was doing everything wrong. And uh, you know, I'll talk about <laughs> some of those things that that, that uh, the mistakes I made. But um, yeah, it was just having always been in business, and then. In 2008, I had a, uh, a business in the auto parts industry, and that fell apart with the uh, what's now known as the global financial crisis. And uh, I ended up about a hundred thousand dollars in the hole. You know, I got off lightly compared to some people, but uh, I was doing really quite well in the business. And um, you know, next minute, I was a hundred thousand dollars in the hole. And that was from that point that I really. Uh, I, I really wanted to, uh, there was no question I wanted to continue in business, and uh, but I wanted to figure out, you know, what was the secret, you know, what was the formula for really making it work and what was missing. And I just became fascinated with leverage and, um, you know, people like Richard Branson and I just studied my ass off and uh, I, from that point, I started doing business coaching and mentoring and uh, consulting in, in some form. And I just loved being an entrepreneur and I loved helping other entrepreneurs. And uh, it was, you know, through that experience that I just became more and more fascinated with with leverage. And uh, through that, I was started outsourcing myself and using virtual assistants. And I honestly didn't like what I found out there in the market. You know, most of it was what I now call do-it-yourself. You know, that's where, you know, you get connected with a freelancer and then you're left to your own devices. And it didn't work for me because I wasn't an expert in outsourcing and I really had to figure it all out myself. I tried 26 different companies or 26 or, or, or different um, solutions that were out there in the market. And uh, I eventually just said, screw this. I don't like anything that's out there. And I set up my own system, which is now known as Easy VA. And so it really just evolved out of a, a need for myself because I saw a gap in the market. And then as soon as I launched what is Easy VA, uh, you know, people started putting their hand up and it just kind of grew from there. And, um, you know, three years on, 
we've got a few hundred staff out of the Philippines and uh, clients all around the world, uh, head office in Australia, a few offices in the Philippines, and I get to hang out here in Bali, you know, and uh, my whole philosophy is, and what I'm passionate about is helping entrepreneurs to grow a business that doesn't rely on them being there and allows them to be where they want to be. And most importantly, allows them to spend their time doing what they love, like doing the things that they're passionate about and what they're gifted, what they're gifted with. And, and you know, I mean, that resonates. Obviously, it resonates with me. I think that resonates with so many people in this day and age. And you know, uh, people don't uh, people don't know what they don't know right now. And uh, you know, I, you just just published a book, correct? Correct. Yeah. So, uh, business hacker, it's called, um, mindset and tools for the successful modern entrepreneur. So I go into a lot of detail about, um, you know, the specifics of really making offshore outsourcing and working with virtual assistants work, uh, but also the, the, the mindset behind it, you know, what are the things that you really need to think about and prepare for and how the systems in your business and that kind of thing. And, you know, it's funny. And the reason I want to go down that road is because I think mindset is key. Uh, because if you don't have the right mindset going into the whole digital business, the outsourcing, that model, um, it's it's very easy to get led astray and to to just to, to have bad experience after bad experience and assume that ah this doesn't work and give up. And so um, you know I, I've seen you speak and uh, the message you have is so powerful and that's why I wanted to get you on on our show here today and so what I'd like to do now is kind of dig into the this whole outsourcing your life outsourcing your business thing and talk about you know why people are successful at it why people aren't successful at it and now the very first question I want to throw to you though is why the Philippines? You know, there's there's all these different countries. Why did you choose the Philippines? Yeah, good good question. So, um, you know, the Philippines has really only become really big, you know, probably in the last ten years, but in the in the last five years especially. Um, you know, I don't know what it was like in uh, in Canada, but um, you know, in Australia, ten years ago, all the big companies or the big corporations had their call centers out of India. Yeah. And, uh, and then it all changed to the Philippines. And the reason for that is because, uh, you know, just a different culture between the countries and Philippines, you know, they have a, a softer nature about them and they're just better at customer service related things. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of what gave the Philippines its, its you know, kickstart, I guess, and helped it take over India uh, in, in some regards. So India is still really great for more technical, technical based things. Um, but the Philippines really established itself, and then um, you know the Philippines—they all speak English over there, so they they grow up in school, um, learning to speak English, and they're you know they're they're quite educated. Um, they're they're good hard workers. The uh, the the government over there, you know, they're, they're they're doing a lot of hard hard work, you know, in with the infrastructure in the country to really grow what is called the BPO or business process outsourcing industry. Uh, you know, there's a lot of um, a lot of international companies, you know, growing their businesses there and putting uh, offshore offices there. So, you know, and this year, um, Philippines was the second fastest growing economy in the world. So, you know, there's a number of reasons why Philippines is, is a good place to be, especially right now. Um, but in terms of the work and getting the work done, uh, because they speak English so well, that's probably the, the, the biggest advantage. They're much easier to communicate with and they've got a good attitude in terms of learning. Um, yeah, it's just you know, they've got a culture over there of, of wanting to do a good job for people and, uh, you know, that's that's why I've established over there and, um, you know, it doesn't work all the time, of course, but uh, that's probably like anywhere. But, uh, you know, I, I found Philippines for myself to be the best place. And, you know, that's why I wanted to to pursue that more and more. Yeah. And I mean, I, I would echo that. Uh, of all the countries I've outsourced to, uh, you know, the Philippines is by far, I find the easiest culturally um, to work with, you know, uh, and not only, the, and one of the things to, I think for people to understand as well, when we say that English is spoken very well there, uh, you know, 
there's lots of people in India that speak English, but <laughs> there's there's just I guess I guess you could say Western English is spoken very very well in the Philippines. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. And you know the 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 crazy thing is, and this is one thing that I always point out when I speak, is that you know wherever we speak English, whether it be you know Australia, Canada, USA, Philippines. Um, everybody, every country, they have their own version of, of English, right? Yes. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and the Philippines, they actually learn a very traditional type of English and they actually speak better English than us in Australia. I don't want to comment on Canada, but... <laughs> um, and, you know, from wherever we're from, if we speak English, we, uh, we tend to be quite arrogant about the way that we, uh, we, we think we speak. Yeah. And the way that people should understand us, you know, it's like, well, if I'm going to speak English, then, you know, you should understand me. But, um, you know, and that's one of the, the things to be mindful of is, you know, how, how, how you speak English and um, have respect for, um, you know, articulating, you know, what, what you want properly. But in the Philippines, they, uh, they speak a very traditional kind of English. So, um, yeah, they uh, – and, you know, their, their accents are – you know, probably more lean towards North America. Yeah. So, you know, the, in terms of understanding them and trying to get a result, if something, you know, if the communication breaks breaks down, uh, yeah, it seems to be just, just a lot easier out of the Philippines. Now, uh, beyond language, um, when somebody's outsourcing to the Philippines, what other, are, are there any other sort of cultural um, barriers or, or, or things that would trip up, say, somebody from North America or Australia that have, you know, I mean, we in Australia, North America, UK, we all do business in very similar ways, right? So we're quite interchangeable, right? Now, going into the Philippines is an outsourcing there. What are some of the obstacles people may run into culturally, communication-wise, beyond language? Yeah, so it's a, it's a, great, it's a great point. And um, one of the huge things is that the culture in, in, in Asia, it's pretty general in Asia, but definitely in the Philippines is that if, uh, if, they're, if somebody is presented with a challenge over there, then it's kind of their culture that they bury their head in the sand. You know, like in Australia, it's just kind of expected if something happens, you know, you speak up about it, you resolve the problem. In the Philippines, uh, it can be very difficult to work with people there because they bury their head in the sand if something happens. So the smallest, tiniest little communication issue can happen. And I've seen like the smallest, smallest things uh, can make it so that, you know, somebody, you know, doesn't raise an issue. And then, you know, next thing you know, you've got this deadline in, in place and, you know, you're trying to launch this website, you know, on, on Tuesday or whatever it is. And uh, the next thing you know about the issues is on on launch day because they haven't spoken up about something, and that's their culture, right? So that can be definitely worked around if you you know work with people who know what they're doing. That's you know probably uh, one thing, but it's just to be mindful of of nurturing them. Um, and you know what I always say is, you know, have the have the the mindset or have the the structure of bringing them in as part of your team, because if you if you kind of have this attitude of, all right, I'm in, you know, I'm in North America and they're in the Philippines and they're just completely separate. If you kind of view them as separate and not part of your business, then you know they're they're not going to feel, you know, they're not going to trust you enough to be able to speak up. So, you know, when it comes to working with people in the Philippines, I really believe in creating a long term a long term view, having a long term structure, and creating a long term relationship. And then once they get up to speed with you, um, you know, they'll, they'll go to the end of the earth for you. But, you know, they've, it does take some time for them to, to trust you. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the, the, the biggest thing that I see happen. And, you know, we can be a little bit, if we're really impatient, um, you know, and we want a result yesterday and, uh, you know, we don't have that, that patience to, you know, to a- allow a little bit of teething, um, then you know that's when it all sort of starts to fall over, and the communication breaks down, and you know they don't speak up about something, and you know then you're just making the assumption that you know they're not a good staff. Um, but you know, quite often, more often than not, it could just be the tiniest little thing that could have been resolved. Right. Right. Um, okay. So I, I think this segues well into the next question, and that is. Uh, 
you know, I deal with a lot of people and a lot of my clients are people that are starting business online and their first attempt at outsourcing, you know, they go, they post a job up on Upwork or, or Elance or whatever, or a Craigslist, they hire someone and it just, it, they fail miserably at it. Um, and, and there's probably more, uh, of those stories out there than success stories in the world of outsourcing. So what are the what are the mistakes that you see people making on a day to day basis, and, and how do you avoid them? Yeah, so yeah, um, it was the exact same experience for me as well. And you know, with all the research that I've ever done, you know, it's about seventy percent of people who attempt outsourcing, um, you know, they they fail at it. And you know, there's a percentage of people um, who succeed, and a percentage of people who are who are you know just have a in between kind of experience. And probably the, the the biggest few reasons I would say is uh, when it comes to putting a task, you know, like it, it, if you need something done in your business, you've got two ways of looking at looking looking at it. One is you can think, all right, well, I just I just need shit done, right? Mm-hmm. Or the other way of looking at it is I want to build a team. So the ones that I see who are really successful at outsourcing, the ones who do well, are the ones who go into the outsourcing scenario, not with the view of just getting you know this one or two few small things done. Um, it's more they have the mindset of building a team. So that's the first thing. And look, that's not always going to be possible because um, you know you you may just need a website done or you may just need this one thing. But there are solutions. You know where you can tap into the structure of a team, which I'll probably mention later, um, so that you can go into the scenario, so, you know, so that you've got the processes and the systems of working with a team as opposed to just working with one person, right? Now, the other thing is m- most of them, most of the solutions that are out there, as I mentioned before, what I call do it yourself. So that's where you get connected with a freelancer, and it's you versus the freelancer, mm-hmm. and. Freelancers want to work for themselves. That's why they're freelancers. They don't have any. They don't want to have any accountability to to your business. And if something happens, you know, they don't want to turn up to work today. There's nothing you can do about it. You know, you can't call their mother and you know complain about it. Um, <laughs> so you know, that's 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 one of the biggest one of the biggest things there. It, it, it's you just have to be mindful of who you're dealing with, right? And if you have the expectation that somebody's going to, you know, show up as, you know, being uh, off the bat, you know, a, a faithful, trustworthy, um, reliable staff member, then you know you're in for a, you're in for a shock, right? Um, the other thing, which is probably the the biggest thing, was for me in the start, and the biggest thing I see where things start to break down is in. The communication. Now, communication is always a two-way street, right? So you're dealing with someone from another country, another culture, another language, and you really need to be super, super mindful and respectful of how you are articulating what you're looking for. And this is where, like, personalities come into it and, um, you know, all of us have got different skills and abilities and a different way we communicate what we're looking for, right? So some entrepreneurs, they're so big picture you know, they're just so focused on, uh, on the, on you know the the long term or the big picture activities, and not really great in the details or the systems of the business, right? So if you go into a you know scenario looking to get something done, let's use the example of of say of of a website, right? You want to get a website builder, or you know, a sales page done or something like that. If you kind of go into it with you know very vague and ambiguous instructions and and you're expecting that the person you're dealing with is going to be the one to, you know, make it, make it slick. You know, if you kind of say, give them instructions like, oh, I want it to look super nice or I want it to look slick or um, it needs to be fresh and mm-hmm. expect them to understand what you're, what's in your mind, it's just never going to happen, right? So you need to show up in such a way that uh, – you, you need to understand you're dealing with a technician who needs details. So you need to be super clear on what your instructions are, have, you know, have real clarity. Um, you know, we've got training videos and all sorts on, on how to do these things. You know, how do you give feedback visually so you can, um, 
you know, so that you can really help articulate what you're looking for. Because if you're just trying to explain over, say, Skype or in a text message or in an email, uh, then, you know, your communication is going to get lost. And there's a few systems that people really should put in place, um, like using a project management system like Basecamp or Trello, those kind of things. Um, where a lot of people go wrong in dealing with uh, virtual assistants uh, and, you know, working with teams in general um, is by using email. I do not believe in sending emails back and forth on a project because emails can go missing into cyberspace, especially when it's really convenient for someone, right? <laughs> so, um, yep. you know, so if it's in a project management system, it's super clear. There's like a chronological order to things. Um, and, you know, some people listening to this are going to understand, you know, these systems like Asana, Basecamp, Trello, and some are not. But that's why if you work with somebody who can kind of guide you on those things or give you access to those systems, um, it's, it's going to make a huge difference. So, look, there's, there's, a, there's a bunch of different things in there. But, um, yeah, look, the, the biggest, probably the biggest learning for me was, you know, in the start, you know, I, I kept failing. And, you know, for two years I was kind of like scratching my head going, you know, this, this whole outsourcing thing sucks. You know, it's got to work. You know, why does it work for some people and doesn't work for others? And it took me two years to figure out that I was the common denominator, right? Mm -hmm. I, was the, I was the reason why it kept falling apart. And then I really started looking at, oh, how am I communicating? How am I articulating my message? How am I thinking? And I was, and when I be, when I started to take accountability for what I was putting out there and how I was communicating, um, it just had me be more patient and have me clarify things more and not have the expectations that things at the other end are going to land with them straight away. Because especially in Asia and the Philippines. They like to say yes a lot. They say yes, sir, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, and and um, and you just make the assumption, right? That you know they understand what you're talking about, um, and then next thing you know, it's launch day and everything falls apart because they've said yes. So you need to be you need to be checking in with them and going, hey, are we on track with that? You know, send me you know send me a screenshot or you know give me an update on this and just check everything's on track with the project because um, you know quite often. You know what they tell you isn't uh, isn't necessarily what you think. And you know, when I saw you speak in Australia a few months ago, one of the things you said it stuck in my head, and it was you know people try and outsource outcomes. And I, I I'm trying to remember exactly how you phrased it, but it, you know it it just went. I went yeah, that makes sense. People. Getting started, and you kind of said this, I think, when you first started talking about mistakes, is is people go into this process and they think, hey, I need a website. And so they get out there and they say, hey, contractor, I need a website for my phishing blog. And they expect that an outcome is going to be created. Now, from your perspective, is it possible to hire ever to get a good outcome or are you always going to uh, have to design the outcome yourself and then outsource the process to create the outcome? Yeah. So yeah, really great, really great point. And look, because we're on audio, you know, probably what I could do is give an analogy, right? So the, the analogy that I use is it's kind of like if you want to build a house, right? You've kind of got this vision in your mind of what your house wants to what you want it to look like. And you cannot take that vision and go to the bricklayer and say, hey, Mr. Bricklayer, I want you to build me this house, right? And that's how people kind of approach their outsourcing. It's like you've got the outcome, there's vision in mind, you want something created, but you don't know what are all the pieces of that, right? Mm -hmm. So what needs to happen is the architecture. So if you want to build a house, you need to go to an architect and the architect says, all right, we need a plumber, we need an electrician, uh, you know, we need the bricklayer, uh, you know, we need to build the roof, we need all these different elements. And then that then is the blueprint for what the technician would be doing, what the bricklayer will be doing. So they have very clear instructions, right? So when it comes to building a website or another one that comes to us all the time is social media. So people come to us and say, hey, we need our social media done. We want to generate leads from social media. And we say, okay, what's your strategy, sir, ma'am? They're like, we don't have one. That's why we came to you. So, 
What, and then the way to do, we say it is, look, we can plug in a virtual assistant to work with you, but they are not the strategists. They are not necessarily the architects. They can do a little bit of it, mm-hmm. but it's more important that they're guided, like they've got as much information up front as possible. So if you go into the scenario working with a virtual assistant, not being super clear on, you know, if it's a website, what are all the colors? What do you need it to look like? Where does everything go? And if you don't have that, then there's just going to be so much back and forth because they're not mind readers. And that's where it starts to become frustrating because there's going to be so much back and forth, right? And what could be, say, a 20-hour task could end up being 80 hours just because of the revisions, the back and forth, right? So the, it, it actually works in your favor to really create what is that that structure in between or that architecture or the, the strategy part of it and, and get that right. Now, the thing for me is, uh, you know, I, I have a team, right? So if I want something done in my marketing, then I consult with my, my marketing team and then someone takes that and then puts that in the system and project managers working with the team and I'm guessing you kind of do much the same. If somebody is not in that position where they have a team already, um, is it possible to work with a virtual assistant to in you know in that regard? It it can be. However, you need to have the mindset of being the project manager. So somebody in the equation needs to be the project manager. And if you don't have that project manager, then you need to kind of take accountability and think like the project manager. Meaning. When it comes to giving instructions or the back and forth, you need to kind of think through, all right, well, what's the technician, the person building it, you know, how is it that they should be communicated with? They're not going to understand the outcome that I'm giving them, the big picture. They're not going to understand that. So you as the uh, the person who needs the outcome, you need to really make it clear and just have that extra work in between and don't try and shortcut it. That's probably the, the, the biggest thing. You know, you're going to have to do some work in giving the instructions and, you know, laying it out or mapping it out, whatever it is. Um, so is it possible? Yes, it is. Um, now, when it comes to um, recruiting a virtual assistant, then what I would say is if you've got that in mind, then that's probably going to help you in the, in the equation of sourcing and recruiting because you can probably test them through the process and you could you know, maybe give a, a, a test instruction and say, okay, here's a little test task. You know, do you understand what I'm talking about? You know, before going into the, the, the nuts and bolts of a big project, you know, maybe do a small snippet, snippet of a test to kind of test the relationship and test how you communicate together. Um, you know, and that would be, you know, the, the deciding factor. Because once you're in the middle of it, it's kind of too hard to go back, right? Yeah. And then, you've, and then it's like, you know, oh, now I need to bring somebody else in. And now I need to bring somebody else in to take over. It's like, you know, that's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah. And, and it's a horror story I hear all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it's, it's funny. I mean, if I had to summarize the key message here is, it's communication and how you communicate and what you communicate and how thoroughly you communicate. And, 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 you know, I made the mistake initially, uh, and I think it's the most common mistake is, is not giving the, the detail needed and not being willing. Here's, here's what it is. People aren't willing to put in the work up front that's required to give them, to give their, their contractors the, the information they need to be successful in their task. And so, you know, personally, whenever I go in to do a website, you know, you'll do a a full wireframe of it, right? You know, put all the content in, where it's all going to go, have notes on all of it. Does that take time? Yeah, absolutely. But when that light came on for me, all of a sudden I went to a, from a low success rate to a, a massively high success rate with my outsourcing for, say, website design, right? So, you know, I, it's a mindset shift for people because I think too many people run it outsourcing thinking it's the it's it's this holy grail of, of efficiency, low cost, get it done, get it done fast without having to do any thinking on their own. Yeah, um, it's, it's not a magic bullet. And the, no. way I, the, the way I explain it is it's like if you can – if you need to put something 
together like a website or something like that, right? If you can set your business or the activities in your business so that you can clear some or some stuff off your plate, which I define as being low value activities, so that you've got a little bit more time to focus on more, more high value activities, then that's all you really need to do. If you're just replacing even like the smallest amount of time of low value activities with high value activities because you're able to outsource this one thing or these, these two things, then that's the aim of the game. And then it's just a cycle of continuing to clear your plate with low value of low value and fill it with high value. And if you think of somebody like Richard Branson, that's all he's ever done, right? Mm -hmm. It's like the the cycle is, you know, in the start, it's like you really working in the nuts and bolts of the business. And yes, you've got to put time and effort into things. But if you can just clear your plate of some low value activities, fill it with high value, and you just do that over and over and over and over, then eventually you end up in a position like you or, you or I are, Derek, where we've actually got project managers in place and we've got strategists on the team that we can consult with. And you know, a lot of that stuff is kind of handled for us. Um, and <clears throat> someone like Richard Branson, that's all he's ever done, continue to do that and you're left with nothing but you know, lying on the on your in your hammock cocktail <laughs> on on one of your private islands. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sounds good. Okay, so now there's certain things that can be outsourced. There's certain things that probably shouldn't be outsourced. Let's let's get to some specifics there. What are the common things that people can successfully outsource? What should you never or probably not outsource? Yeah. So, look, anything to do with um, website design, graphic design, uh, product creation, all that kind of thing. So, like, a, a big part of what we do at, at, at EasyVA is, uh, you know, we're working with people probably in, in the back end of their marketing, right? That's, you know, a, a big portion of, of what we do, and it's one of the bigger things that you can outsource out there, right, using whatever platform. Um, so anything to do with uh, websites, memberships, you know, membership sites, um, you know, your, your video marketing, um, so editing editing videos, um, creating explainer videos, um, you know, f- if you want to write an ebook, you know, like you just type it up on Microsoft Word and, you know, you give them, you know, some some an idea of you know how you might want it to be laid out and someone can make it you know format it and make it look really pretty and put a cover on it and stuff like that right so um, you know stuff like that I've never been good at and I never want to be good at you know, <laughs> I, I could spend two days you know trying to format an ebook to make it look pretty and um, it would take somebody in my team one hour you know to 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 do that kind of stuff so uh, anything to do with um, yeah, with uh, with the the marketing collateral, we'll call it. Um, one thing to I guess avoid in that space is probably uh, or to be mindful of is is copywriting. So copywriting is is very difficult to do uh, because anything that's subjective, right? Anything that or might be related to your IP or to your product or your service. If someone's not part of your business, then you know they they're not going to understand the logic of you know how something should be written or um so yeah copywriting is a difficult one especially out of the philippines uh mm-hmm. you know so i mean i've got i've got some i've got a few people out of romania that that i use now um but i found it very difficult to do out of the out of the philippines and i would you know i i would i would guide people to be careful about copywriting definitely okay now now what about customer service and support, stuff like that. Yeah. So, look, there's, there's two ways of, of thinking about outsourcing, right? Now, um, one is there's project-based or, or ad hoc work. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's what I'm talking about there with, you know, websites or graphic design. You know, if you, you need a new Facebook banner or something like that, right, you know, you need that now and that's a one-off task, but, you know, you're not, you, you don't need that next week. You don't need any regularity, regularity to that. So that's project-based ad hoc stuff that you just kind of need on demand, right? Um, and then the other side of outsourcing is process-based. So anything where there's a daily activity or a weekly activity or a monthly activity, um, then that requires 
that should be handled a different way. So that's where you would recruit somebody, how I describe as being a dedicated virtual assistant. So that's where somebody would work for you for set hours, say every day, and they might work for you for two hours a day or four hours a day or eight hours a day. So anything to do with uh, social media, um, you know, helping you as a personal assistant, you know, like with your emails, calendar management, um, you know, uh, any specific processes that are ba you know, based inside your business, uh, so anything that requires somebody to be online every day, uh, like customer service, then that really requires you to, to go down that, that route of hiring somebody to be part of your business and you give them set conditions and they work for you for set hours. Um, you would never approach customer service as a, pro as a project-based thing. Mm -hmm. um, so customer service definitely uh, over the phone, emails, etc. Um, yeah, now that kind of thing does require training. People need to know that you know there's going to be a level of, uh, of training in that, of course. But yeah, definitely that stuff is uh, easily easily outsourced. And now, when it comes to training, how do you effectively train somebody on the other side of the planet? Yeah, so. Um, we do a look. I've got a video that you know I could probably uh, share with every everybody, and it's a training video on how to do training videos, right? So um, <laughs> it's um, it's just showing people really how to use screencasting, you know. So a system yeah. like um, like uh, Camtasia or Snagit, you know, there's some complicated ones, and you know, Camtasia's you know probably a more complex program, um, and then there's cheap. Or free ones like there's one called Jing, and it allows you to record, you know, five minute videos. And all you, all you kind of do is you just go through the process yourself on your computer, and you talk through it. Um, you know, and you move your mouse around, and you point out arrows here, and um, that's the most effective way of of training because then somebody's got like a documented record, you know, a video they can pull up anytime. So look, if you've gone to uh, if you've bought a software program before or, or something, you know, normally there's a, a video tutorial video on, on how to use it. So it's kind of creating the same thing and it's super simple to do. Like it's really not hard that anybody could do it. Like if I could do it, a monkey could do it. So when it comes to training, the easiest way hands down is just to do um, short training videos and all you've got to do is kind of go through the process yourself and just record what you're doing and talk through it because then you've got a visual means and then you've got an audio means and, you know, people are coming, people are understanding you from different mediums. Whereas if you just try and explain something on text, they don't have the, the visual reference to, to understand what you're, you know, what you're trying to, what you're trying to explain. So if you can talk through something and show them at the same time, um, and you can do that live. You can do, you know, screen sharing just on Skype. Um, you know, you can share your share your screen. But I would recommend, you know, recording what you're doing. Um, there's systems like TeamViewer. TeamViewer TeamViewer is one where uh, people uh, you can access their computer or they can access your computer. Um, so yeah, there's uh, you know a number of systems out there. But definitely the the, the video means is uh, is hands down the, the best way. Yeah. And, and, you know, something to add to that too, because uh, that's how I do it, you know, Camtasia or, or Snagit or Jing or whatever we need to use. Um, once you create those videos as well, you now have a library of training videos. So in the future, you keep those videos onboarding, training new staff becomes a lot faster and more efficient, you know? So, you know, I think people grumble and groan the first time, oh, I don't have time to create these cre training videos, but it's an asset to your company because once they're there, they're there and yeah. you can cont continue to train. Now, the uh, one more question about what you can outsource. Let's talk about marketing functions and, yep. and such. Um, so whether it be social media, email marketing, SEO, what is the success rate with those kind of things? Yeah, so look, <laughs> again, it comes down to, you know, the, the, the strategy in between, you know, like yeah. what's the – what are they being guided by? So if you go into the scenario of social media and um, look, we can recruit people who have some experience who, uh, you know, who could put together a plan for you, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I would never rely on that solely. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in consulting with somebody who I know is an expert, you know, create mm-hmm. what is bl- the blueprint. And then the um, same with SEO, right? You know, there's that many people out there who think they know about SEO and what they're doing with SEO. And, um, you know, SEO to me is, you know, just a, just a minefield. So if you expect somebody from the Philippines to, you know, be an expert in it, then uh, I would say you're not going to get a result, right? So where you would get a result is if you really have the structure of that mapped out, what are the activities? Mm-hmm. And there are companies out there who only do SEO. So if you want SEO done, then, you know, I wouldn't recommend going to just a virtual assistant uh, who says that they can do SEO and expect a result. Somewhere in between, there needs to be an, an, expert, an expert strategy. So, um, you know... There's people out there teaching SEO and, um, you know, if they're learning from you, Derek, or whatever, then that's awesome because if they've got the structure there in between of what are the actual marketing activities, you know, what is the step one, two, three for the virtual assistant to do, um, then, you know, that's that's where the, the success happens. Right. Okay, good. So uh, last, uh, last question here is surrounding outsourcing models. Now, we've got our traditional, you know, uh, Elance, Fiverr, Odesk model. Um, we've got the ability to go out and hire people directly. You know, I could go to the Philippines, post a classified ad on Craigslist, hire somebody directly. Or we have uh, basically the solutions you provide, which is um, a, a kind of almost a managed team there. So yeah. talk us through these different the pros and cons of these different platforms. Yeah, sure, sure. So, you know, I kind of referred before as what I call do-it-yourself models, and that's the Upwork, Elance, Fiverr, and that's where it's you and the freelancer, and there's you know there's there's nothing in 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 between, right? Um, now, the pros of that are that you know it's it's very easy to get access to them. You know, these platforms are awesome. Uh, you know, there's a lot of contractors out out there. You know, like Upwork has millions and millions of, of, of contractors on there and there's not much you can't, you know, there's not much you couldn't find somebody to do for you these days. Um, and it can be very cost effective, right? But I will say that like anything, you get what you pay for in this world. You know, if you want a virtual assistant for $3 an hour or $4 an hour, you know, you, you're going to get what you what you pay for. Um yes. So, yeah, there's the do-it-yourself model and then there's uh, – so that's where, you know, you get connected with a freelancer. Then there's agencies in between, you know, like there's companies in, in the Philippines or India or, you know, where, wherever they are, even in, you know, in uh, locally in Australia or, or North America. And that's where they would do the recruiting for you, right? So you kind of go to them and say, hey, this is what I'm looking for and they help you source somebody – and they charge you a fee for finding the right person for you. You agree, I'm going to take this person. But still, again, you work directly with the staff. You pay them. You, you pay them directly, right? And uh, you know, it's not hard to it's not hard to pay them. It's not uh, it's not a difficult thing. Um, but on those two models, you know, I still call it do it yourself because it's it's you with the staff, and you know, there's 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 nobody there in between to help you. So. Look, there are the the pros of of, of those are that um, it's easy to pay. You know, like you can pay somebody via via PayPal, um, and you know, in Australia we have, you know, we've got to pay payroll tax and superannuation, and you know, mm-hmm. you guys have got the same thing over there. So, you know, it can cut that out and make it the payment side of it really really easy. You don't have to worry about staff and um, you know, you know, getting sued for your staff falling down the stairs and stuff like that, right? So, um, it can cut out a lot, uh, a lot of that stuff, which is uh, which is cool. Um, but the biggest negative to the whole thing, I, I believe, and is is that you don't have anybody there helping you, right? So then there's what I call co-managed solutions, and the co-managed solutions is like Easy VA. That's what we do, and how that works is our big point of difference is that we have. Um, a company in the Philippines, we have offices over there and all the staff are actually employees of the company in the Philippines. So what that means is when they're onboarded, they don't have the freelancer mindset. So they're not going to you know, go missing. 
right? So if, if they there's there's rules that they need to adhere to, and they come in looking for an, a long term opportunity. Whereas freelancers, you know, they tend to be looking over the fence all the time. You know, if they get offered a job where they're going to get paid twenty cents an hour more, they're likely to take it, right? So, um, our whole structure is we want to be able to nurture a long-term relationship, which I believe is the success in you know, what makes successful outsourcing is finding somebody and working with somebody that you can have be part of your business and be part of your team, right? So, having that structure allows us to do that. Um, every staff that we put in place, they have a team leader. And that team leader's job is to be the conduit between the staff and the client. So when communication challenges do arise, uh, you as the client, you have uh, a sounding board. Like you have somebody that you can go to straight away and say, hey, can you help me with this? This happened. Or, hey, we want to do better in this. We want to set a new system. So there's always a support mechanism there for you, right? Um, so the way I kind of explain it is it's kind of like you're parachuting into the structure of a bigger team. So you're going into the scenario with the mindset already of of working with a team. So that kind of gives you a different mindset as well. It holds you accountable for making it work because I see a lot of people giving up on outsourcing prematurely, you know, when you know, they if they just stuck it out and, um, you know, kind of pushed through some barriers and did some learning for themselves. Um, you know, they, they would end, end up with a result. But if you give up too soon, then, of course, you're going get, to get no result. Um, so, yeah, that's what, what I call the, uh, the, the co-managed solution. And then there's companies out there that do more managed solutions, and that's probably more so for, uh, for bigger companies, you know, probably of, of 20 staff plus, and that's where um, they – you know, you can recruit a team, you know, so you would start with, you know, a team of five staff and that would include in, include the management. So, um, uh, yeah, that may or may not be relevant. But, yeah, there's kind of three levels of three, – three levels there. And when it comes to things like Fiverr, you know, like even from time to time, I still use Fiverr because, you know, there's things that I can get on – get done on there um, that my team don't, don't do as an example – and I think Fiverr is a you know a pretty great way for people to start and test test the waters because you know the most you got to risk is is five bucks right yeah. so um, <laughs> I, I kind of like Fiverr for that reason but you know if you're going to go into a solution where you're going to have to spend hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars um, then that's where you probably need to be a little bit mindful and you know selective about about which way you go now. I've been listening to you here, and and I mean, I started outsourcing a very, very long time ago. And it, it, actually, first, let me ask this question: What is the sort of the price variance between hiring somebody directly versus using a co-managed model like yourself? Obviously, you have more costs in there, your business, so it's going to be slightly higher. What kind of what kind of margin difference are we looking at? Yeah. So yeah, good, good, good question. So. Again, you know, you get what you pay for in this world. And look, if you were going to go to say Upwork, and let's just say we we're going to find somebody who was a virtual assistant slash marketing assistant, right? And let's say they were going to help you with your social media, your email marketing, maybe do a little bit of graphic design, um, you know, something in that world, right? So you could find somebody probably on Upwork for three dollars an hour, right? I would recommend you don't do that. No. Right? <laughs> you now, could find somebody but they're not going to do the job successfully. Yeah. You could find someone on, on Upwork who's um, someone who's gonna be you know fairly it's gonna be good, is gonna be somewhere probably uh, you know six six to eight dollars an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably probably up to ten. And I I just know that if the more that you spend, um, the better productivity you're going to get anyway, right? So it's not like mm-hmm. if you spend $5 compared to $10, you're probably going to get three, four times the output out of someone at $10 an hour, right? Mm-hmm. So that's probably the, 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 the biggest thing. So don't consider it like, oh, here's the dollar amount coming out of my pocket. You know, Think of it more like what's the return on investment for me, you know? Yeah. So when it comes to the difference between you know the, the you know what you're paying with with co-managers, it's probably not that different. Now the reason being is because if somebody is of really high quality on on Upwork or Elance or Odesk or whatever they call themselves these days, um, then they're going to 
demand a higher rate. And because they're going direct to the market, the reason that they're, they're, they're freelancers is because um, they've got the ability, they've got the platform where they can charge a higher rate. So they're probably going to be asking 8 or $10 an hour, right? Whereas with us, they're inside our structure um, where we have, um, we have, um, uh, you know, we they're in our company for different reasons. A, because they get a regular paycheck, they don't have to worry about things. Um, we've got training, we've got performance mechanisms. So we pay their health benefits, um, we pay them 13th month, which is like a bonus month. Um, so they're in our company for different reasons, right? So they don't want the whole you know, risk factor where they can make maybe $10 an hour, but maybe not have a job for half the year, which is what happens. So we tend to attract really high quality people, right? But we can get them at, at something of a, of a, a middle kind of rate because we want to pay them well, well enough, but not, not cheap, you know what I mean? So probably if, you, if there's actually a dollar difference on it, you'd probably be paying about $2 an hour more with a co-managed service. So now the reason I asked you that question is because, you know, I, I've been down this road and, and to everybody listening here, you know, it's easy to, first of all, it's easy to get sucked in on the Upwork to go in there and say, wow, look, four bucks an hour. I can save six bucks an hour, five bucks. I can save five bucks an hour over co-managed. Now, had a co-managed system like what you have existed when I first started and I knew then what I know now, it would be no question whatsoever as to which way to go if if I'm really looking to build something here because for the if I'm going to spend a couple dollars more I'm going to get a project manager which is the value in that is huge um the reliability of having somebody else worry about making sure their internet works making sure their computers work uh, and it's huge. And so, you know, when I look at the, the margin that you guys are charging, honestly, over and above what I would hire somebody directly for, it's an incredible deal to have all that value added service, the project management, the team that's already recruited for me that, you know, I mean, I, so I, I, it's hard to emphasize the additional value you guys are creating there to people that have never been through this process yeah. themselves, and that's, right? And that's, that's the hard part is because you and I get it, right? But if people yeah. haven't been through the pain, then they don't necessarily see the value. And that's cool because I'm happy for people to go and learn and then come back to us later, right? which, happens, <laughs> which happens all the time. Um, but, you know, like with – the dream team might be a good time to bring up the dream team, right? So we have a service, what we call the Easy VA Dream Team, and that's where people can tap into an on-demand service, right? So that's where uh, how that works is you buy a block of 40 hours as credits, and it's around about 10, 10 US uh, an hour, um, 10, 50 US an hour, right? And for that, what we give you is um, you get one point of contact, and that one point of contact is an, like an, a, a project manager. So if you have, say, three different tasks on the go, you don't need to figure out who the three people are that you're going to go to. You just go to your project manager, you give them the task, they then farm it out, and then there's you know a quality assessment in between. And we have protocols in place for communication so that if you put a task in the system, you, know, you get a message back within three hours. So it's not always the case that you're going to get the task back straight away, but you always get communicated with, right? So that's the, that's the biggest thing. Um, and so you can, you can put in you know, whatever task you want into the system. And the other thing that we give people access to is uh, everything's done on the project management system. Right, so and you can actually use this project management system in your own business, and you could plug in, say, your business partner or whatever. Right, so we actually give you the systems and the framework um, to to work with the team, and that alone can help you to no end to you know really systemize systemize your business. So um, the other thing we do is uh, is training. You know, so we give you all the training videos on how to use the project management system. You know, the training video on the training videos and um, there's always somebody that you can talk to on a business level as well because, you know, we probably come from a similar space, um, you know, to you, Derek, and you know, everybody listening to this in terms of, you know, understanding what they're going through in their business. So we can talk to, to them, you know, as 
business owners as well to say, you know, hey, why don't we try this? Or, you know, this is going to mm-hmm. work and this is not going to work. Um, so there's a lot of that up front as well. We, we, we want to, we do the strategy with people up, up front um, and make sure that they're going into the right solution and the, and the right scenario. And there's always someone there that they can talk to. And, you know, one of the, what I find really cool about this dream team as well is let's say I'm a, it's an incredible model. And, if I was a business just starting out, so I just want everybody listening to truly understand where the value exists here. Uh, if I was just starting out, I might need a, you know, a, a short video edited. I may need uh, a VA to do some stuff for me. I might need a web designer. I might need somebody to code some stuff on a website. Now, if I was going to outsource that on my own, I have to go out and find four different people to outsource that to. And those are going to be individual contracts. They're not going to ever learn my business. They're going to just... so. It, it's tough as a small business to to work with a, a cohesive team. And then the other mistake I see people make all the time is they go, oh, I need help. So they run out and they hire a VA full time without really thinking through, how am I going to keep this person busy? They had an immediate need and maybe they kept them busy for a week, but then all of a sudden there's this stress, this added stress of, oh my goodness, how do I keep this person busy? Because you know, now I have a person to manage. So what I love about what you guys have done with that that dream team there is now as a small business who doesn't need a full-time designer, a full-time writer, or a full-time whatever, I can go in there and I can have one point of contact to do all of those things. And it's it's elastic. It scales as I need it. So that's the, you know, again, We've been through the school of hard knocks here, and I'm just I'm just trying to emphasize how cool what you've created is and how powerful it is. Because I know I know people are going to go out there and they're going to post a job on Upwork and they go, but but look, I can get that guy for four bucks an hour, and you know, Easy VAs, you know, eleven dollars an hour or whatever it turns out to be. It's like, guys, you don't understand, right? Yeah. Another way of explaining it, uh, I guess, is. One thing I always point out is understanding what you're worth, right? So if you, yes. anybody who's on this call is going to, if I ask them when I'm speaking, I would say, how much are you worth? And everyone's going to put their hand up and say, $100 an hour, $200 an hour, um, you know, $250 an hour, $50 an hour, whatever it is, right? It's never $10 an hour or $20 an hour, right? So if mm-hmm. you if your time is consumed doing menial things, that you could have somebody else do for $10 an hour or even $20 an hour, then that should be the gauge on, you know, that should be the discerning factor on, you know, which way you go, right? So as you pointed out before, if you've got four different tasks, you could spend probably, let's say you, you know, you had a 10-hour task needed to be done, you could spend five to 10 hours of your own time trying to figure out who's going to do that. And then you're mm-hmm. going to have all the communication challenges. And that is time-consuming, right? So place a value on your time. If you can cut out that time, if you say you're worth $100 an hour and you can get some of that time back by plugging into a team or working with somebody that's going to cost you even $50 an hour or $20 an hour, $10 especially, then you know that's going to help you to place a higher value on yourself and, uh, and that's how you make more money in your business. Yeah, and you know, I think that's the key question for people too: is is what is my time worth? And 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 that's the deciding factor, right? You know, if it, if somebody else can do this, well, I'm earning more money, and it makes more sense, right? So, um, very very powerful question to ask while you're making this decision. Uh, and you know, it's funny I, for everybody listening. I, you know, I I didn't want everybody to think this is a big sort of pitch fest for Easy VA. I'm just trying to really communicate the value of what you guys have created here because I, I you know, I, I'm so tired of watching people go through this process. And it's funny you said, oh, you kind of like people to have to go, you know, go through that process and learn the hard way. And it, you know, I kind of feel it's my job to try and help people skip that hard way, right? Yeah. And so, so, so that's why I'm just like, guys, this this is freaking awesome. Awesome, um, you know, for a few bucks more to have a. Pro- I I pay a project manager full time to work for me, so and it costs me 
a lot because he's a local guy to manage my teams over there. Had you existed before I went down this road, my life would look very different. So um, you could have gotten on that a little sooner for me. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, um, it, it's it's a fantastic solution. And um, that being said, uh, you know, we're – as we're running out of time here, in fact, I think we've already way overshot, and that's cool because I think uh, you know we've given a lot of great information. You've been very generous with that. Where can people find out more about you? Yeah, uh, and about your book. I mean, you've just launched yeah. this book, and 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 we talked about mindset in the beginning. I think that's key to understand the mindset, to understand how to go about this process. So, tell me about the book. Where can people find the book? Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe if. We can uh, we can send people to a link, but um, uh, yeah, there's a um, people can find me information about me if they want to find more info on the book, and that's Monty M O N T Y G, and then Hook H W O K E. So that's Monty G Hook. Uh, sorry, that's um, yeah MontyGHook.com. So people can find more info about uh, about me. Um, there's links there to EasyVA. There's links there to the to the book as well. If people want to find out more information directly about EasyVA, that's EZYVA.com. Um, and the thing that I would, um, uh, yeah, definitely encourage people to do, I guess, is to, um, yeah, go go over the website. There's a lot of resources there. You know, I'm a, I, I'm really into educating people and training people and. Um, you know, helping helping people to uh, you know really work out exactly how to go about outsourcing, and then give them access to tools and resources and you know hacks that, that are, are going to help people as well. And um, before we go into any kind of scenario with taking you know somebody on board as a client with EasyVA, we um, we go through a, a process. Um, you know what we call the outsourcing mastery consult, and one of the things I talk about in the book, which I would encourage people to do, regardless, you know, if you if outsourcing is something you want to investigate, building your business is something you want to investigate. There's a really cool exercise which I talk about in the book, and then um, you'll get access if you get the book. Um, you'll get access to uh, a training video as well. It's what I call the unpacking, right? And the unpacking is uh, going through a process of deconstructing your business. So working out what are all the individual activities in your business. So if you can go through this process, A, it gives you real clarity on what's happening in your business because if you want to scale up and you want to plug people into it, you need to know what's happening inside your business. And this process of unpacking can really help people get some real clarity on what are all those activities. And then from that, you kind of spit out this list of what's the top 10% or the top 20% of things that maybe I could I could outsource and get started on right now. And then we then do the, the consult with people from the unpacking. Um, and then, you know, that really can make sure that that sets you up for the right you know, going in the right direction. And if it's not easy VA, we're more than happy to have the conversation with you and we'll say, look, maybe you should try this or maybe you should try that or maybe prepare this first. Um, we want to be able to point people out in the right direction regardless of whether they're ready now or not because, you know, if, if I can add value to somebody and they come back to us in a year, then, you know, that's that's an, that's that's a good outcome for me. Absolutely. And, and just to be clear, you deal with clients all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so look, 60% of our clients are um, uh, in Australia, uh, but then we've got clients in Canada, USA. We've even got them in um, Bahamas, um, Singapore, um, South Africa, all over the world. Fantastic. All right. Well, I will include all of those links in the show notes. So for everybody listening, if you head over to entrepreneurignited.com and uh, you'll find this episode on the podcast page, uh, you will uh, find all the links that uh, were referred to in this uh, in this episode, all the tools that were referred to, and a link to Monty's website, a link to his book. And uh, I would highly encourage you to check that out. If outsourcing, A, if outsourcing is something you've never considered, definitely check it out. If it's something you've tried and have not had a great experience with, I would encourage you not to give up on it because, uh, you know, it changed my life. I used to have 
Yeah, I used to have an office. I used to have 100 employees. And uh, when I sold that company, I made a commitment, and that was to to start enjoying life and uh, and in, in enjoying that digital lifestyle, being able to sort of work wherever I am. You know, it was cool. I just got back from uh, three weeks in uh, in Whistler where I was mountain biking every day. Uh, you know, I had my virtual teams doing everything. And it, it, it's a fantastic way to, to run a business, but you need the right strategies and the right team behind you. And you know, Monty, I, I think you've you've nailed it. You've created a system that um, that takes a lot of the the guesswork out of it. That takes a lot of the obstacles that were causing failure. So, uh, for kudos to you for that. I'm pissed off you didn't have it sooner, um, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I'm glad it's there now. And and again, uh, you know. Thanks for your generosity sharing on this uh, on this interview. Whether somebody uses EasyVA or not, uh, the strategies that you shared today uh, are the key to outsourcing virtually anywhere. So thank you so much for that. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Awesome, awesome to share. Fantastic. All right. Thank you very much, everybody, for being here. As I said below, you'll find all of the links in the show notes on the website. And uh, to make sure you never miss another episode, head over to entrepreneurignited.com. Make sure you're subscribed or subscribe on iTunes. And uh, we will make sure you're up to date with all our upcoming episodes. Thanks very much, everybody. And we'll see you in the next episode. You're listening to the Entrepreneur Ignited Podcast where we aim to simplify online business so you can make more money.